0: Hello, I want to welcome you to Bible Studies with Russ. This is season two, study number two. We are picking up in the book of Joshua, chapter one. Uh, Last time when we were together, we were looking at Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine, and we also covered some things in way of introduction. Uh, Today we're going to pick up in Joshua one in verse 10. Uh, Last time we talked about Uh, We focus a little bit on the uh, commands given to Joshua and how he was commanded to be strong and very courageous. We saw that in verse 6. We saw it again in verse 7. And then we enter to verse 9, where the Bible tells us, uh, here God speaking to Joshua, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. There is at least a third time. Uh, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, what a great encouragement for Joshua to hear. No doubt, we today have to remember that God is with us. So long as we are following his word, we can still see his guidance for us through his written words still today. We're picking up in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, where the Bible says, Then Joshua came into the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp. And command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over the Jordan to go on to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, jo- uh, of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land, your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren, armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them, until the Lord has given you until the Lord has given your brethren rest. As he has gave you, and they also have, have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving giving them, then you shall return to the land of your possession, and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan, toward the sunrise. And so we find here now Joshua is is repeating this command. He tells them there in verse uh, 11, he says, he tells them to prepare provisions for yourselves because within three days they would cross over to the, cross over Jordan. This Jordan, he says there in verse 11, Um, uh, this Jordan being the Jordan uh, River. Uh, And so they were to cross over the Jordan, as we mentioned, I believe we also mentioned this specifically there. let me see here. I lost my train of thought. Uh mentioned so then they were crossed over the Jordan also back in. Let's see. Where is it Two. There we go. <laughs> verse 2. Uh, this being the Jordan River to the land that the God is giving the children of Israel back in verse 2. We see it again. Now Joshua's repeating this to them in verses eleven and following. Uh they were going to the into the to land. And notice he uses the phrase The Lord your God, you know, he really seems to drive this point home, or at least it stands out to me anyway, that he is driving this point home. The Lord your God, the Lord your God, again, there in verse 13. And then uh, we find until, we find later in verse uh, 15, which the Lord your God is giving giving them. Uh, So we find three times there in verse 11 through verse 15, that phrase, the Lord uh, your God. We find it in verse 11, we find it in verse 13, and then we find it, if I'm not looking over another one, we find it again in verse uh, 15. And so Joshua really wanted them to know as he's given them this command, remind them and keep this in the forefront of their mind, the Lord your God is doing this for you. The Lord your God is, is keeping his promise. The Lord your God is going to be providing for you uh, and doing all these things there in verses 1 through uh, 15. We see in verse 14, he says here, Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. And so that's there in verse 14. So their wives, little ones, and cattle will remain on the east side of the Jordan. But the fighting men, the the mighty men of valor, will go with the other tribes and help them possess the land on the west side of the Jordan. Uh, verse uh, 15 says that these uh, three tribes remain with their brethren until the task is completed, and the Lord has given them rest, and they have possessed the land. At that point, they may return to the east side where their possession is. Then they will be able to enjoy it, that is, the east side of the Jordan, or, t- or toward the sun rising, or toward the sunrise, as we find there in verse 15. Looking at verse 16, the Bible says, So the answer of Joshua and said, All that you ha- commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us, We will go. Don't you wish that's the attitude they had the whole entire time. Don't you wish that's what the brethren had in mind as well, uh, that um, they would uh, have this attitude the whole entire time. Don't we wish people today would have this attitude the whole entire time. They will will do whatever the Lord's commanding commanding them to do, not what we as an individual is telling them to do, but what the Bible says. Don't you wish people today would say, I'm going to do whatever the Bible says and and whatever I need to change, I'm going to change it? That's what we find here in verse 16 when they tell Joshua that they're going to do whatever he commands them and wherever they, he sends them, they will go. Um, you know, sometimes people start out with this great zeal, this great fire, this great passion. I know that we see that here in verse 16. Sometimes it just doesn't last. We People can become discouraged, get downtrodden, get weary, get tired, uh, get frustrated with things, and they begin to lose this attitude of wherever you send us, we will go. But we want to be those today who strive to maintain that attitude that whatever God says in his word, we're going to do it. Whatever is required of us, we're going to do it. Whatever we need to change in our life or just root out and get out of our life, we're going to do it. And no doubt uh, such an attitude is pleasing to God let's look next at verse 17 here the Bible says just as we heeded Moses and all things so we will heed you only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses encouraging words right I mean chapter one starts off with let's do it let's charge your head you know we'll put out the fires the water pistol kind of attitude that nothing's gonna stop them right they'll do whatever it takes and they even in verse 17 say only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses, preachers have a term which is called it's called the honeymoon phase, and what that is referencing is is many times when a, when a preacher begins a, a new work, a congregation uh, begins uh, working with a new congregation, that everyone in the beginning just loves him. That he almost it's almost as if he can do no wrong. That everybody's on his side and wanting wanting to to see him succeed and wanting to help him, wanting to work and to labor, all those types of things. But over time, that wears off. People get what I call sometimes a little bit real <laughs> in the sense that you see the real side of them, the honest side of them, not the, hey, yeah, we're behind you. It's the different attitude. It's That's where the complaining starts coming out. Moses saw that, and Joshua saw that, and no doubt he would as well uh, later. Um, but that honeymoon phase of... Uh, for preachers sometimes is really sad because if we're not careful uh especially preachers can get a false sense of of hope and and encouragement and thinking that everyone once is ready to go and work hard for the lord but sometimes those things fade you know sometimes we say the homing phase lasts a year sometimes we say it's six months whatever it may be depends on who you're working with to be honest um but we look here in verse 17 uh that's kind of what it sounds like here. This is the beginning of the honeymoon phase. Yes, Joshua, let's do it. Let's charge ahead. And verse 18 whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. And there's again another time uh, uh, Joshua is encouraged to be strong and be courageous. Um, and they even go so far as saying in verse 18 whoever doesn't listen to you will kill them. Is what they're saying in verse 18. Um, which, you know, in the Old Testament, that was the penalty for, I mean, we know, we recognize the day that you know, the wages of sin is death, right? Uh, but those who rebelled against God, those who fought against God, those who would not repent. No doubt, I don't think they're talking about here whoever just says, no, I'm not doing that. We're going to take him out and stone them. But whoever rebels, the idea that they won't listen to him, they want nothing to do with him, a, a rebel... Is someone who is trying to stir up trouble. If you look at the word rebels here, that is to be contentious, to be uh, rebellious, to be refractory, to be disobedient toward, to be rebellious against, um, to show rebelliousness, show disobedience, disobey. And so it's not just a one time or a, a man, I'm tired, really don't to do this kind of attitude. It's that we're not listening to you, Joshua. Whatever, whatever you say, we're not going to do it. Uh, you know, that's what a rebel is. And so it's not someone who just is discouraged at some time or weary at some time or someone who, who kind of complains a little bit here and there, but, you know, you know, repents or apologizes you know, to, to those and, and makes it right. That's not a rebel. A rebel is someone who says, we're not doing it. We're going to go against you. We're not going to listen to the word you say. That's a rebel. And so he says, whoever rebels against your command, whoever fights against you. That's the idea there. And does not heed your words, he says, and all that you command him. He says, she shall be put to death. We're not tolerating rebels. We're going to do what you tell us. Because why? Go back to verse 17. The Lord your God be with you. They knew the Lord was with Joshua. And that's why they're eager to listen to him. Because they knew that whatever Joshua said was coming from God. And so in reality, who were they listening to, they were listening to God. In chapter two, you have the incident, or the, not really the incident, but the act, the account of where Rahab hides the spies, and Rahab has kind of a cloud over this this account because some say, "Well, Rahab lied," which God condoning lying, but we want to get into the text before we ever start talking about those types of things, um, because. Rahab was a harlot. She was trying to help the the, the spies, these individuals. And so, uh, but people sometimes really get into uh, questioning what's happening here. And Rahab is also mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe, when she had received the spies with peace. That's Hebrews 11, verse 31. Okay, so let's look at Joshua chapter 2, beginning here in verse 1. It says now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from from Acacia grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And so Joshua sent out two spies to to view the land. Uh, he did so secretly. They went out to they went out and came to, to a harlot's or a prostitute's house and lodged there, as we see here in verse one. Uh, so they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Sorry, sometimes in my Bible uh, especially my digital version, the way it breaks up the verse, I'll stop partway through, not realizing I'd stop partway through. Um, so they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. There's the end of verse 1. Um, and, and so there are some who question this translation, harlot. And we're not, And this is coming from Brother Patterson, the only commentary I refer to, generally speaking, in this class. Uh, he says there are some who question the translation harlot. They argue that this word also may simply indicate an innkeeper. Uh, others, he says, uh, very strongly oppose uh, this idea. Um, If you look here, according to the Strongs, now Strongs is just going to define the term harlot. However, if you go back here, let me find, that is my New Testament. Let me pull out my big bad boy here. This is my interlinear Old Testament, New Testament thing. weighs about 10 pounds. Um, if you ever have one, uh, the one I have is very large. Um, you can buy them in multiple volumes, though. You don't have to buy just one gigantic one like I did. If you, if you do have one big one, you probably work out because they weigh quite a bit. Joshua chapter 2, though, <laughs> uh, in verse 1, refers to her as a harlot. Going here looking at the original Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar. scholar. I'm just going to read here from what the word is used here. Um, it also translates it harlot. If you look at verse 1, and this is, uh, it has a Hebrew, it has a Hebrew translated into English, and it has it put together in, in the sentence here. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men out, Shittim, S-H-I-T-I-M, S-H-I-T-T-I-M, to spy secretly. Now the New King James translates this the Acacia Grove, and let me see if I'm bring up the King James here real quick. Uh, says here, yes, uh, and I can't pronounce that um, properly. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. But uh, it, it talks about the acacia trees, a place east of the Jordan. Um, that's why New King James uses the term uh, the acacia grove um, uh, to spy secretly, saying, Go look over the land and Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a woman, a harlot, and her name was Rahab, and they lay down there. So that's from the Hebrew, that's the Hebrew translation, uh, the most literal translation, at least I have access to with this big guy. Um, and so uh, she's called a harlot, according from, from the Hebrews that I look at here, according to uh, the Bible we have here. But again, some will argue and say that this that was poorly translated, that she is actually an innkeeper. Um I don't know where they get that. To be honest, uh, I'm not Hebrew or Greek scholar, so if it doesn't matter. If we're talking about Old Testament or New Testament. New Testament a little bit better at finding some of those things out, and the Old Testament though it's a little bit harder, especially for me anyway. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, some translate say that it should be translated as an innkeeper. Um, that's the first time you know. When we're, as we're looking at this, this is the first time I, I've, I've heard that. Um, but a harlot, we know what that is, right? A prostitute. Verse two. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So it was told to the king of Jericho that men had come there uh, to search out the country. Now, that sounds pretty interesting, right? You think, so these people come out and they're searching us out. First thing that comes to your mind is they're spies. They're looking, they're checking everything out. Well, you're thinking they're going to come in and try to take us over, right? Um we are not told, uh, but Patterson points out here, that we are not told of how this information was obtained. He just simply says it was told the king. Since it was a secret mission, the information had to come from, he says here, but the comparison says here, it had to come from the inside. Um, It could have. I will say that. Um, I'm not disagreeing with Brother Patterson on this one, but there's possibility that some others had saw them sneak in and saw them go into this person's house and went to the king and decided this is what they're up to. That's a possibility as well. Um, We're not really sure, though. The Bible doesn't tell us. And so looking at verse 3, "...so the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, "'Bring out the men who, who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the country.'" And so the king has heard that they are in Rahab's house, and he orders her to bring forth these men. He knows, or at least believes, that they are at Rahab's house. Again, this is why I said before. Uh, maybe someone saw them go into her house. Um, maybe that's why they decided these men are coming here to, to spout the country, uh, because they're they're hiding in her house. Uh, and and probably maybe the way maybe the way they're carrying themselves, the ways they're moving about in the dark, perhaps, um, maybe they think they're spies spying out the country. Um just because he went in secretly doesn't mean they didn't go. That they went in unnoticed. <laughs> uh, not in my opinion, anyway. Looking at verse uh, four, um, says here, and then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, "Yes, the men came to me, but I do not know where they are from." Now, is that honest? Did she know where they? I know. No, so she says, "I do not know where they are from." Uh, the woman knew the danger and hid them. When she was questioned about the men, she meant that the men came, but she did not know from whence they came, or maybe implied that what their purpose was was uh, for coming. Obviously, this was not true and was not the Lord's doing. The Lord could have devised many ways to protect His people. Uh, now, uh, in this case, yes, she she was dishonest, right? The the uh, she says she did not know where they come from. Uh, if you look at verse uh, one, um. They came, you know, they uh, came in, came from, from, uh, the, came from among uh, the people of Israel. Obviously, there, uh, and they went and laid and lodged in her house. Now, verse one. If you go back and look at verse one, uh, now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spouse secretly, saying, "Go find, go be the land, especially Jericho." So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Now, if you look at verse one, it doesn't say. Now, to be fair. And Brother Patterson says here in verse 4 that she that she did lie. And if she did lie, obviously the Lord did not put her up to it. But in verse 1, it does not reveal that they actually told her. If you want to get very technical, the Bible doesn't say they told her, right? Uh, they came from the Caesia girl to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. The, is it possible that they did tell her, and now she's being dishonest? Yeah, that's a very good possibility. Uh, but verse 1 does not say that they told her. Uh, verse 2 says, And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. And so verse 2, it is implied that they now know that they come from Israel. Verse 3, So the king went to, uh, so the king of Jericho went to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the country. Then a the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I do not know where they are where, I do not know where where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark, that the men went out, Where and where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. Now that is a lie. <laughs> I don't know about verse 4, but verse 5 is. Did she lie? Yes, she did lie. Um, God does not condone lying. That's all there is to it. He doesn't. Uh, keep in mind, this is a harlot. Um, and when you think about her being a monster, she's a monster for her bravery—not really how she did it. <laughs> uh, the Bible never condones sin, or never and never condones lying. Uh, verse four: Is it true? She is it possible that she didn't know where they're from? It's a possibility. Is it a certainty? I can't say it was. Verse five is a definite lie, though. Um, it came to pass by the time of the shutting gate when it was dark that the men went out. Whether the men went went not? Uh, excuse me. Verse five. Where the men went, I do not know. Uh, where the men went, I do not know. Uh, pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. So it happened as the gate went, went as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Um, and she says, "Where the men went, I do not know." Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. <laughs> a lie. Verse six or verse five is a flat out lie. So at sunset or shortly thereafter, or people closed the gate to the city, the men went out. But Rahab said she didn't know where they went. Um, but the Parson words is a little bit differently here, and I'm I'm reading typically from the New King James. The King James words it this way: uh, This may be the American Standard; I forget which one he uses in his commentary. But verse five, it says here, and it came to pass by the time of shutting the gate when it was dark that the men went out. So the men did go out, right? According to House word here, the King James. Whether the men went, I whither the men went, I went, I won't not. That's the King James. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. The New King James words, and it happens to get was shut when it was dark. That so the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Now, um, if the men did go out, if I'm reading this correctly, and try not to get it turned around here, if the, if the men went out, and she did not lie about it, that, 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 that they did go out, and that she did not know where they went, um, then that would be correct. Now, verse six says, "But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid up, laid in, in order on the roof." But she had brought them up to the roof. So verse 6 points out, makes it very clear in verse 5, she didn't know where they were. She did not say, she says, they went out, but I don't know where they went. They were on the roof. Now, the Bible says in verse 6 that she had brought them up to the roof, that she brought them up. Not that they went up to the roof and she didn't know. And the Bible says there in verse 4 that she hid them. Uh, she said, yes, the men came to me, I didn't know where they were from. That's possibly true. Uh, but verse 5 is a lie. She had brought them up to the roof. And verse six says, points out, she had brought them up to the roof uh, of the house and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Uh, then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the to the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone, they shut the gate. Um, so. Verse 6, the fact of the matter is, Satan dispersed. this verse, she had taken them up to the roof of their house. Houses were generally built with flat tops. Rahab had hid them with socks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So, did she lie to them? Yep, she lied. Some will say, well, I've heard people argue. Well, she you know, she didn't really lie. She didn't know you know, they were up on the roof. Verse 6 says she took them up there. You know, we have to be careful. I know back in, in Hebrews that the Bible praises her for what she does. It praises her for her bravery. It doesn't praise her for her lying. Um, she was not directed by God to do this, keep in mind. She did this of her own will. She lied of her own will. She hid them of her own will. Um, what is really being admonished in Hebrews 11 is her bravery to hide them, not how she did it. Uh, God always condemns sin. And so I hear people say, well, Rahab was, you know, she was dishonest, but yet she, we still read about her. We read about her bravery. She's not admonished for being a liar, uh, just like she wasn't admonished for being a harlot either. Uh, got to remember the kind of person you're talking about. I mean, sometimes wicked people do things and in in do evil things in order to accomplish uh, things that that are, yes, good. Was it good that they were hidden? Yeah. Was it good how they were hidden and how she did it? No, because she lied. Um, you know, could have been done a different way. Could she have hid them in a different way? Yes. Could she had simply said, said yes, uh, they, they were here, but I do, uh, I do not know where they were from. Um, you know, if she had said they're not in the house now, technically it would have been true. They weren't, they wouldn't, then they would have been in the house. It would have been on top of the house. Right. But that's not what she said. That's not what she said. Uh, she, she was dishonest. Was she brave to hide, the, to hide the spies and try to help? Yes. The way she did it, not approved of by God. That's what we have to remember. It was not approved of by God, regardless of what of what came about as a result because some people use it to say well sometimes the end justifies the means no if she would have been directed by god to do this in god's way it would have been done without sin but she wasn't directed by god god uh, she didn't do any in any she didn't do it in godly way because there was no honesty yeah, remember she was a harlot which means she was a prostitute and she did something very kind but she did it in the means she did it involved sin that's the bottom line But was she brave for doing so? Yes. She was brave for hiding the spies. Because they wanted to come in and kill those spies. And if they had come in and found them on the roof, they would have killed all three of them. Um, So she's admonished for her bravery, but not how she did it. Uh, She's admonished for wanting to help, but not how she did it. She was not directed by God. And so her her lying is still a sin. And so uh, we have to remember that. Okay, let's keep going here uh verse seven says then the men pursued them by the road to the jordan to the fords and as soon as those who pursued them had got out excuse me they shut the gate verse seven and so the men thinking they're gone uh go out the gate and they shut the gate behind them and as soon as they gone they as soon as they went through the gate they shut the gate behind them verse eight now before they lay down she came to them on the roof and said to the men i know that the lord has given you the land that the terror terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are are fain, faint hearted because of you. How does she know that? <laughs> I don't know it, had, it has she just figured this out by the events that have transpired? It's not impossible it's not impossible um We should have jumped to the conclusion that the Lord revealed this to her in some miraculous way it could have been hey you know what i know you're all over there i know where you're from i know what's going to take place right i mean if people pull up in submarines on the, on the coast and, and and have all these submarines lining up and all these aircraft carriers lining up and we say well i know you're here to, to fight against us we don't say well who told you that we say well, it's obvious. <laughs> They're right there. I think that's what Rahab is doing. She says, well, "Look, we know you're right. I know you're right over there. I know where you came, where you've come from. I know what you're, why you're here, spying out the country, right?" Um, and so I don't think we can jump to the conclusion and say this was revealed to her by God. Uh, I've never heard anyone say that. Doesn't mean people haven't, but I've never. That's not supported by what she says here. Um, and so she says in verse nine. I know the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of, the, of you has fallen on us it means people are afraid of, of you and the people of Israel, and it all that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Now, how did they? How did they know that? How did they know what was taking place? How did they know uh, that they were rather? How, why were they faint-hearted? You think they've heard about Joshua and Moses and the people of Israel? I think so. Uh, You know, do you think they heard about crossing the Red Sea on dry land? you think it's possible they heard about the crushing of Pharaoh's army that pursued them? Uh, Was it clear up to this point because of things that happened that God was with them? Yeah, they probably heard about it. And that's probably why she says here in verse 9 that they they were all faint-hearted because of them. Verse 10 says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up... Looky there! They have heard, right? Uh, they have heard uh, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. When you did what you did to the two kings, the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, and whom and whom you utterly destroyed. as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain in any more courage in us because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now. There, you there, that tells us the Bible tells us exactly why she says all these things because we've heard about you, right? We've heard about you and what you have done with your what your mighty God has done for you. And I think there in verse 11, excuse me, back up verse 10 for a second here. Uh, she mentions how she mentioned the Red Sea incident, she mentions them coming out of Egypt, um, which means they probably knew about the plagues, right? <laughs> What you did to the two kings of the Amorites or on the side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. We know what you've done to others. <laughs> uh, that's why they're nervous, right? And But more than nervous, look at verse 11. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, which means they lost all hope, basically. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. And why are they so strong and, fe- and to be feared? For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Uh, that's why they're afraid. Now, let's look at verse 12 and 13. That we're going to stop there this morning. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also sh- will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Now, what is she asking? And we're going to have to come back and look at this more next time because we are rapidly running out of time here. Uh, for what for what I want to discuss. Uh, she says, pray, uh, verse 12, she says, I beg you to swear to me by the Lord. The, new, the American standard says, now therefore I pray. Uh, the King James the New King James says, I beg you. Uh, swear to me by the Lord since you have shown kindness. And basically what she's asking is, she's saying, pray on my behalf that the Lord will show kindness to me and to my family. And she says to my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have deliver our lives from death. Pray that the Lord will show us, give us a token showing that we are going to be spared. Now, verse 14 says, and we don't have time to look at this today. We'll come back to it next week. So the men answered her, Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Don't say a word about us being here. And when we come back and we take the land, we'll we'll deal kindly with you. We'll be uh, merciful to you, right? Okay, let's stop there. When we come back next week, we're probably going to recap verses twelve through fourteen, uh, look at this a little more closely, uh, and consider more of what's taking place here. But we're going to stop there this morning, and next week we'll come back in Joshua chapter two, verse twelve. I do thank you for being here with me today. I hope you have enjoyed this Bible study, and hope you will share this with others. And hope to see you again next time.